want to welcome all of you, join in welcoming you to uh, the Carnes Church of Christ this morning. We're thankful for your presence and hope that uh, you'll be uplifted by the time that we have together today. Um, a lot of people still traveling. There are a lot of people out due to the holidays, uh, the spring break, and uh, there will be a lot of folks on the road today coming home, uh, a lot going back to school, and uh, we want to keep them in our prayers for safe uh, journey as they uh, make their way to their destinations. I, I remember when I was <clears throat> a freshman in high school, the very first time, I, or a freshman in college, the very first time I left home, my mom wrote me a letter, and uh, that letter meant everything to me. I laminated it when I got to college. It was instructions on how to wash clothes. It wasn't what you thought. Um, and I remember the first time I tried, I put the uh, fabric softener in at the wrong time, and I took my clothes out, and I had blue spots all over. Every- I thought I had ruined everything and frantically called home, and she told me to rewash, and everything was fine. But uh, there are certain things uh, with instructions that we ought to love. The Word of God gives us instructions that we ought to just cherish. They tell us how to to go to heaven. They tell us how to be better people while here on earth. And they tell us how to help other people so that they too can be saved. Um, We have been looking at a series of lessons the last few weeks concerning people who have been lost in the credits. Um, The theme for this year is for such a time as this, The idea, the concept of being used as a tool in the hand of God is an awesome concept that that God would choose me to partner with me to accomplish some end that he has in mind is just a fantastic thought. And yet it is true and it can happen and we ought to be praying for that. And maybe God has brought us to this place, to this point in time, for such a time as this. Let's pray to God for open doors this year and years to come. Let's pray for wisdom to see when those doors open so that we might say the right thing and do the right thing to make a difference not only in our lives, our families' lives, but in the lives of others. Um, And that's what this lesson, these series of lessons have been about. They've been about people that are just like you all, ordinary people just like me, Uh, People that don't really, they're not headline grabbers. You don't read chapter after chapter after chapter about these folks in the Bible, but they are mentioned, and the fact that they're mentioned means that they have contributed something substantial uh, that God wanted of all the people that have walked the face of this earth for God to mention them in this book. There is something about them that is more than just coincidental or incidental. There is purpose behind every word of the Bible. And so as we look at some of these people who have been lost in the credits, they're just named, just scrolls, and you just you have to be looking for it to see it. Um, we've looked at people like the sons of Korah. We've looked at people like Bezalel and Aholiab. We've looked at the prophet Micaiah. And we've looked at Onesiphorus. And today, I want us to look at another kind of person that has been lost in the credits, but they have been relegated to the credits, and they haven't been headliners, so to speak, 
not because God used them and just used them out of the limelight. They're lost in the credits because they placed themselves there. They were foolish. They made poor decisions. And I don't want to live my life and just be relegated to obscurity because I was foolish with what God had blessed me with. I I don't want that to be true of my life, and I know that you don't want it to be true of yours. We want to use the talents, the opportunities that God gives us, and so I think there are some lessons from these three men that we're going to mention this morning that have been lost in the credits, but they're, they're there probably because of their foolishness. And that's why God recorded uh, what we have about them. Well, let's begin with a man by the name of Ohithophel. Ahithophel was a man who lived in the days of David. If you have your Bible, you might want to open it to 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 23. Ohithophel was an advisor to King David. It was said of the advice that he gave that it was as if God himself spoke through him. I mean, that's, that's saying a lot. I mean, if I could be the kind of man that could give advice where people say, oh, That's just like God speaking. That's quite a compliment. Ohithophel was a trusted advisor, counselor to King David. But the time came, as you recall, when David's son Absalom rebelled against his leadership and tried to take the throne for himself. And and David had to flee Jerusalem as Absalom and his entourage move in. And... uh, one of the men that deserted David and went and gave his support to his son Absalom was Ahithophel. Ahithophel, the loss of Ahithophel must have been a very hard loss to David, especially at a time... Excuse me, when David is having to flee and make decisions on the run and and what to do as they're trying to maintain and secure their own lives and safety, Ohithophel would have been a good guy to have around. But he's left him. And he's gone over to Absalom. And one of the first things that Absalom does is he seeks some advice. As David flees, Absalom says, what should we do? Ahithophel says, Absalom... We need to mount up every man we can get, and we need to go after him and just bring him down, destroy him. We need to catch him while the catching is good. He's on the run, and let's just go get him and be done with it. Well, that was Ahithophel's advice, but Absalom had another advisor, and he went to him and he said, Listen, what should we do? And this guy said, Do not listen to what Ahithophel said. That's bad advice. You see, if we go fight David right now, if we go seek him out, he's going to be like a a mother bear who has been separated from his cubs. Those men will fight like they have never fought before. We will be in for it. Let them go. Just let them go for right now. And let's show people that you are in control and you'll win their allegiance and maybe we won't have the big battle. Well, Absalom liked that advice better than Ahithophel's. 
And so that's the course that he pursued. But here's the thing. When Ahithophel found out that his advice was rejected, he just went home from work, got his household in order, and hanged himself. you got to be kidding me. How crazy is that? How foolish is that? That nobody did anything except they didn't take your advice. And because he, he didn't get his way, he's going to hang himself? You talk about foolish. What a legacy of foolishness that has been lost in the credits. Who remembers Ahithophel and, and this foolish act that he committed? But before we look at his life and say, man, what in the world was this guy thinking? This is ridiculous. Could it be that we have been just as ridiculous? I'm not saying that we go out and get a rope and we we hang ourselves, but have we ever spited our own selves because we don't get our way? Have you ever met somebody that has done that? Do you you ever overreact when when you don't get your own way? Maybe it's uh, somebody gives some advice to an elder and says, you know, here's what I think needs to be done. And and the elders meet and they decide not to do it. And that person is thrown for a loop. They can't get over it. How can they not do what I suggested to, to be done? And they'll, well, I've known people that didn't get their way and they quit. They turn their back on God. I'll show them they're not going to do what I want to do. They're not going to follow my suggestion. I'll show them I'm going to quit going down there. I'm not even going to do anything. I'm going to quit giving. I'm going to quit. And people protest in ways that spite themselves. Worse than what Ahithophel did. Ahithophel took his physical life because he couldn't deal with the fact that his advice had been rejected. But I know people that have sacrificed their spiritual life, their eternal life, because of an opinion that didn't get acted upon. Folks, don't live and leave your family the legacy of such foolishness. Here's a man that will always be remembered because of his foolish decision for not getting his way. And there are people like that today. I want us also to consider how that we sometimes, we hurt ourselves to make a point. We, We don't want to do that. What do we accomplish when we do that? Let's say I really am hurt and I really thought that my advice was good and I really would have hoped that they would have done what, you know, I wanted them to do. And we can talk in terms of elders, but we can talk in terms of spouses, of children, of moms and dads, of of co-workers. We we can just broaden this out to wherever. And and we get upset because people didn't do what what I wanted them to do. And, And so we think of a way to get back. How can I make them hurt for that? And oftentimes the decision we make just hurts ourselves. We spite ourselves. We do damage to our own selves. Don't leave that kind of legacy for your family to have to overcome. There are many children who are raised in godless homes because of the legacy of their parents' foolishness. They've gotten mad, hurt, didn't get their way, 
They turn their back on God. And, a consequ- and as a consequence, a, a generation of children grow up knowing nothing of God. They hurt themselves and the people they love because of what? Pride. They didn't get their way. Folks, no one always gets their way. It, it just doesn't work that way. Let's understand that and move on and do what's right. So there's the legacy of the foolish a man by the name of Ahithophel who has been relegated to uh, the credits, but I think we can see why. Here's another man that I'd like for us to consider this morning, and it's a man that uh, his name is associated with foolishness. And he, too, as a man in the Old Testament, lived during the days of David, and his name is Nabal. And he left a legacy of disrespect I don't know if you remember the story, but in 1 Samuel chapter 25, there is, um, well, David is, has been anointed king by Samuel. Saul has been after him, and, and he and his band of men are just moving here and there and so forth. Nabal was a very rich man who had shepherds and so forth, and, and they, they benefited from David and his army. David and his army took very, well, they never took anything that belonged to Nabal. They could have just, you know, uh, said, well, listen, this is a military thing. You've got some stuff we need. We're just going to take it. You know, they, they didn't do any of that. They took nothing that belonged to Nabal and, in fact, served as a shield to protect all of, that he owned and all the shepherds that worked for him. And so the time came when David came into the territory where Nabal was. He sent messengers ahead and said, listen, tell Nabal that we're here and we have use of, we need, we need some food. We need some things and, and ask him to give us those things so that we can be tended to. And so the servant went to Nabal and he told him that David had need of uh, various supplies. But you know, Nabal refused, and not only did he refuse, he disrespected David in the refusal. He said, why should I give what is mine to this upstart? Man, there are guys every other day that are just rising up, saying they're this or that, they're, they're making some grandiose claim, and, and why should I support some upstart and, and give of what is mine and my hard labor to him? I Tell him nothing doing. Go back and just tell him to get his own stuff. Well, when the servants went back, David, he was furious. And he brought up the points that Nabal should have understood himself. He said, have we not protected this man and his flocks and his shepherds? Have we not set ourselves up as a wall to protect them, a hedge to protect them? And he turns around and talks to us that way. Have we taken a single thing from him that we didn't? This man is worthy of death. Well, one of Nabal's servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, what had happened. And she took a bunch of goods and went and met David and begged for his life. Said he's he's a uh, rascal. Uh, He said that he was uh, just this man that is doesn't have any kind of appreciation for what he should. And um, he had mercy on 
on him because of her. But when she told him how close he came to death, he died. It sounds like maybe he had something comparable to a stroke. And then about uh, a week later, he, he died. But here again is a man who has a legacy of disrespect. All I know about this man is that he was blessed by David, protected by David, and yet when David needed something, the anointed man of God, when he needed something, he said, tough luck. Go someone else. I don't owe you anything. And while I look at that legacy of disrespect, I wonder if we too ever fail to give respect. I don't want to be seen as a modern-day Nabal. We live in a country that allows us the freedom of speech. I can dissent against my government and not have fear of reprisal because of my dissension. And I think some of those liberties have caused us maybe to get a little careless at times. Do you think that ever happens? We get a little too free with our speech. We get a little too critical. We get a little too disrespectful. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said when he wrote to Timothy concerning those who were in power. He said, pray for them. Oftentimes we don't remember to pray, but we do remember to ridicule or to expose all their weaknesses and foibles, but we fail to pray. I think that's a legacy of disrespect, much like that of Nabal. I don't have to like everything that our... Uh, leaders do and what they stand for, and, and I can stand out and speak out against those things. But I do think I owe the respect that God has told me to have. They are, government is, um, uh, an arm of God's ministry to secure peace uh, for us. They are ministers of God to execute vengeance on wrong and evildoers. I hear people, you know, no one likes to pay taxes. Nobody likes to do that. But I shouldn't have such a contempt toward that that I fail to realize that I am the beneficiary of so many things. I really like riding on those paved highways, don't you? And I, I like having school systems. And I like when someone's breaking in my house to be able to call the police department or the fire department if my house is burning down. Those things I really take advantage of, and I'm glad they're there. But those things don't just happen. They happen through the taxes that I pay. Dare I become like Nabal? Nabal was protected and blessed because of David. And when David needs something, Nabal says, Hey, take a hike. Get somebody else. I don't owe you anything. Could we develop that same attitude who have been blessed in so many ways by uh, the government that, that we live under? And apart from just those social statements, what about uh, with reference to the Lord's church? In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 13, the Bible says that we are to love and to esteem those who rule over us, the elders, that we may esteem them highly for their work's sake. 
some of the most critical statements that I have ever heard made about anybody have been made by members of the church against their leaders. That's not what God had envisioned. You know, when a person, elders aren't perfect, leaders aren't perfect, they make mistakes. Sometimes they are to be corrected. That, that, That goes with being human. But what we, if my only talk when it comes in terms of elders is critical and we didn't do this right and didn't do that right and so forth, if if that's where I am generally, you know what that says? That says that I am overlooking a whole lot that takes place. Do we have any idea how long they spend in prayer and in visit and in thought and uh, trying to contact people and meet with people and encourage people and plan for... Do do we have any idea of what goes on? You know, when all I can see is a few mistakes that I think they would have been better served if they had done something a little bit different, and that's what I want to focus on, I'm looking a lot like Nabal, who couldn't see the blessings that he had received because of the leadership of David All he could see was an inconvenience to himself. We need to esteem our leaders highly, whether they're governmental leaders, whether they're leaders in our church, in our families. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says to obey them that have the rule over you. Submit to them, for they watch out for our souls. Um, That's a person that should... Listen, if... If anyone would take on the task of being responsible to God for helping see to it that I get to heaven and that my wife gets to heaven and that my children get to heaven, those folks have my loyalty and they should have our loyalty. That's exactly the job that they have accepted. And anyone that's going to bless my life in that kind of a way, I need to be on their side not fighting against them. Don't leave the legacy of disrespect that Nabal left. This man lost in the credits. And then the last one is this. Sometimes people leave a foolish legacy of obstruction. And that would be Elamus. You remember Elamus? New Testament. Again, he's probably one of those guys lost in the credits. But as we read about him in Acts chapter 13, verses 6 through 13, the Apostle Paul was having a Bible study with a man by the name of Sergius Paulus. And Elamus kept getting in the way of that Bible study. He kept trying to disrupt and, and to undo the good and the progress that Paul was trying to make with this man. And this is a serious matter. This is a man's soul that is at stake. And Paul's trying to teach him about Jesus Christ. And Elamus keeps trying to obstruct the teaching and the conversion of this man. And so then Paul does something that just kind of you wouldn't expect. He turns and looks at that guy and strikes him blind right there on the spot. You know, I remember the, the accusation was made against the Apostle Paul that, oh, yeah, he's strong in, in letter, but he's weak in presence. Oh, he can write some really hard letters and just let you have it. But, man, he can't come face to face and say anything like that to us. 
And they, they were making that kind of accusation against Paul. And Paul twice in 2 Corinthians said, listen to me. When I come to you, you'll find out whether that's true or not. I hope you don't. But if you keep pushing it, and if you haven't changed by the time I get to you, you'll see that I come with power when I come. And this is a demonstration of what he was talking about. Here's a man who's trying to undermine the salvation of another man. And Paul looks at him and says, you'll be blind for a season. And uh, that put an end to that. But here again is a legacy of a man who was trying to obstruct the salvation of another individual. I may have told you this before, but a number of years ago I had a uh, Bible study with a friend of mine and I had a Bible study with a man we sat down at his house, and his wife, she made it very apparent she was not in favor of this Bible study. She, she just kind of huffed around a little bit and slammed some things around. And finally, he just said, would you just go on upstairs? And so she stomped up the steps and went upstairs. And so we started having a Bible study. But apparently, she just went to the top of the steps and listened. Because every once in a while, she'd come running back down those steps and, and tell us what for, and then she'd go right back up the steps. And, and she did this about three times, just running back up and down the steps, just to let us have her two cents worth. She wasn't interested in the study. Her husband was. And every time we would make him or get him to a point where he could see some truth that he had been missing... That's when she got all concerned and nervous and would come running down and try to mess up the whole thing. I don't know what Paul would have done to her. Uh, We were polite, and we didn't have that power, but um, that's the kind of thing. But that's not the only way you can obstruct. How many mothers and fathers have obstructed the salvation of their own children by their own unfaithfulness? Or maybe it's hypocrisy. They see something at church, but they don't see that lived out at home. How many times have we obstructed the salvation of our neighbor? They see us get in our car and pile up and go to church carrying our Bibles on Sunday, but they see us also on Monday and they hear the things that we yell in our yard and some of the things that take place at our homes. Luke chapter 17, Jesus warns us, that uh, offenses will come, and we've talked about this, but he said, Woe unto him by whom they come. For it would be better if you had a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the depths of the sea than cause one of these little ones to stumble. There are enough things that get in the way of people that distract them from heaven in the course of a lifetime. You don't want to be one of them, nor do I. I don't want to leave a foolish legacy of obstruction. Generations from now, I don't want people remembering me as the guy who caused his own children to turn from God or caused a a congregation of people to turn their backs on God. How horrible would that be? So we read of a man whose legacy is that of obstruction, relegated to the credits, And so the point is this, as we bring this lesson to a close. There were people that we looked at that God used in a mighty way. They were never limelight guys. They were never in the spotlight. 
They had been relegated to the credits, but what they did in conjunction with God, it mattered. It made a difference. I want us to work at that. I want us to open ourselves to God and let Him use us in His providence. But also in those credits are people who are lost there because they did what was displeasing to God. They lived lives that... uh, were dishonorable. They left a legacy of foolishness. And God chose and, and wanted to make note of them so that we too could see from them and learn from their lives. They're not prominent characters, but they were mentioned for a reason. And I think these three that we looked at today were mentioned for that reason. They're good people. And there are evil people who have been lost in the credits. I hope that we will be some of those folks that just are in the credits. We're never the, the billboard. We're never on the marquee. We're just people who go about our lives quietly living out the Lordship of Jesus, serving Him and letting Him work through us to accomplish good. And someday... When we reach the end of our journey, we'll hear the Lord say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys prepared for you from the foundation of the world. If the Lord could not say that to you this morning, make your life right. If you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, then do that now. We'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already, but unfaithful, and you need to make your life right, change things, get back into service to the Lord to the extent that you once were. We'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.